0: And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves.
1: Traditional spirituality did not urge people to retreat from political activity. The prophets of Israel had harsh words for those who assiduously observed the temple rituals but neglected the plight of the poor and and oppressed. Jesus' famous maxim to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's was not a plea for the separation of religion and politics. Nearly all the uprisings against Rome in first century Palestine were inspired by the conviction that the land of Israel and its produce belonged to God. So, that there was, therefore, precious little to give back to Caesar. When Jesus overturned the money changers' tables in the temple, he was not demanding a more spiritualized religion. For 500 years, the temple had been an instrument of imperial control, and the tribute of Rome was stored there. Hence, for Jesus, it was a den of thieves. The bedrock message of the Quran is that it is wrong to build a private fortune, but good to share your wealth in order to create a just, egalitarian, and decent society. Gandhi would have agreed that these were matters of sacred import. Those who say that religion has nothing to do with politics do not know what religion means. Karen Armstrong.
0: Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for me, because I'm the tax man. Hello, and happy tax day. I am William Morgan, and this is 42 Minutes, a production of ThinkBook Radio. And the Syncbook.com. It's a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at 42, our at Sync42 and at Syncbook. It's the 15th day of April and we are just in time to render unto Caesar.
1: And we'll do that rendering with a friend of the program, Michael Allen, artist, projectionist, and creative editor. Since 1995, Michael has been creating projected environments for bands, art galleries and clubs from coast to coast. He uses 60mm projectors, slides, videos, mixers and VJ software, as well as custom screens and found footage from his massive collection of content to build and manipulate visual installations that tantalize the eyes as well as the mind. I think he just got back from some kind of whirlwind European tour and we're dying to hear about it. We met him last summer on July 15th for episode number 145. And more information about him can be found at project-ions.com. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Hey,
2: how's it going? Thanks for the introduction.
1: You bet. It's going great. That was cool. I
2: was wondering where... I, I forgot there was a 15th so whatever we went in. Whenever he came in the first I was like, where is it? What have they read? Like, where is this coming <laughs> what from? What
3: is happening? <laughs> like,
2: there's some sort of money thing that's connected with me somewhere. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it is tax day. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: you didn't do your taxes, did you?
2: Oh, man. There's a big pile of papers sitting in my desk. And I kept on saying it's going to get done before the end of this night. And it's not even started yet. Oh no. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! Oh it's no is right. Oh no is right. It looks like time to file for an extension. <laughs> 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 it's, it's like it's right now I got a of the and it's still not done. And I've been I'm just been busy. I have been busy. I went out on tour. I just now have um, spent the weekend out at Coachella and am leaving oh, in the cool. morning for another Coachella weekend. And um so I've just been so slammed at this thing that's been at the top of the list since. What, the beginning of March, maybe, is when it took priority, Texas? It always just sit there and doesn't get done. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, how long is Coachella these days? Is it, like...
2: It's two separate weekends. They do the same show for two weeks, and they do it from, uh, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but the dome that we've built out there is on the on-site camping area. And they start their party on Thursday night at about 10 o'clock, and it goes from, like, 10 to 4 or 5 every night. And so that's whenever I do my hard work is from 10 to 5, and then I sleep in in the tent as long as I can, and then wake up when the sun won't let me sleep anymore, and then go walk around the concert all day, and then go back to work in the middle of the night.
1: So then, because you're working the festival, like, this is really good for me to hear. When you're working a festival like that... Uh Uh-huh. Do you get to enjoy any of the music, or is it more yeah. just like a distraction?
2: Absolutely. For me, so far, I've been really, I mean, even whenever I'm out with bands, I go around as much as I can whenever they're not playing, and then I just got to be ready and on standby whenever it's time for us to do our thing. And then whenever we're finished, usually that's whenever the party begins, you know, then you go out and see whatever band you want. And in this particular instance, we have the wristbands and I got the passes to go around the festival and stuff. But our show doesn't even start until the festival's over, so I'm getting to go around and see all the, the shows that day and, and experience it just like any other concert really.
1: Well, did you see anything cool?
2: I noticed, man. If I noticed. blew me away. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but he's a DJ and he has this awesome visual installation, that this DJ named Strange Loop built. That is a scrim presentation where he's got netting. In front of and around him, and the projection to make it look like he's standing inside of the swilling animations and the crazy, and, insane content that they're showing. And um, it blew my mind. Okay,
1: my I mind. think I saw these.
0: No, like I didn't. Video, like video mapping, but with like mesh or. Yes. Net. Yeah, it's
2: on this mesh material so
0: that he was standing in
2: between these scrim like netting boxes and. Um, he was wearing this headpiece that looked like it was two glowing eyes, so that whenever he's up there bobbing, you can just see a silhouette with these two lights where the eyes would be nodding up and down to the music, and then there were like patterns swirling around him, and they had all of the LEDs where there was one guy running the LED lights and another guy running the video, and all of it just went so perfectly to the music that it was uh, visual music at its finest, man. I mean, it was really one of the best visual shows that I've ever seen, and I pay attention to that stuff, you know?
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my forte.
2: that's what I'm there to see, and this one blew me away like that, so that at the end of the day, I was just, like, floored and saying, that guy is cool.
1: And you said his hmm. name is DJ Flying Lotus?
2: It's just Flying Lotus. Just it's flying, flying. On flying Lotus. And it, I mean, I'm sure that the stuff is online. If you put it on YouTube and you put in Flying Lotus um, Coachella, 2015, and I'm sure you could see exactly what I'm talking about, but I bet that there are some awesome videos of it just because he's been touring with this setup for a little while. It was just my first time to see it. I've seen it online, but that was my first time to see it live, and it floored me.
1: Cool. Yeah. It was
2: awesome. I love Squarepisher's music and stuff. Seeing him out there was great. I don't ever pay attention to Jack White, and uh, he impressed me a lot. Cool. I saw him do his show, and it was great.
0: Wait, wait. What just happened?
2: (laughs) I don't really pay attention to Jack White. I never really pay attention to Jack White. I know that he's a great musician and he's got a lot of fans and stuff, but I don't, I've never really paid much attention. I've seen him live several times with Red Stripes, but or White Stripes? White Stripes.
1: White Stripes, but yeah. like, uh, See, I don't even know the
2: name of his band, dude, and it's a classic act.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> You're too <laughs> it underground. It was awesome. You can't talk to that guy. He's a badass.
0: Yeah, I mean, because the amount of bands that he has, I still discover them all the time, and I'm just like, fuck, this is another Jack White band? Jesus yeah. Christ.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the best shows. I mean, I saw, I saw shows all weekend long, and um, but like I say, a lot of it, I was kind of out of it, because from staying up all night and then just going there, I'm just gonna kind of drink my way through the day and then start over <laughs> the next night. And by the end of the weekend, I was pretty beat up. and been awake for four days, it felt like. And I wasn't taking the kind of stuff that would keep me awake, I was just drinking, man. And
3: um, uh, I had a really good time. Yeah. I had a
2: blast. And, I'm, and we're working with an awesome dome out there where we made a hundred of these LED sticks that I control with the MIDI controller. And I am able to send my video up into this dome, and these LED sticks make pyramids above all the triangles in this massive dome, and I was kind of like...
1: How big is this dome?
2: Man, I mean, I wish that I knew it in exact feet, but I know that the thing has to be at least 40 feet tall. I don't know how... big sure it's big
1: 42 is. feet tall then. It's
2: huge. Yeah, 42. Let's call it that. I don't know. We <laughs> were at the top of a massive crane installing lights in the middle of the night, and at that time it seemed like it was 100 feet tall.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I don't
2: know. <laughs> it's really, really tall and really, really big.
0: What What kind of, <laughs> of compliments have you gotten on your work? While, I mean, have you tripped some people out? What do, what do people tell you about what you do?
2: I mean, that's kind of my job. I've made a career of trying to trip people out, you know, and I right. do festivals and I do these shows that... Where that people are setting themselves up to be tripped out one way or the other. So, whether it's people saying, "I wish I was on drugs" whenever I see your work, or people saying, um, "I was on drugs and it was crazy," you know, like that's kind of it's, <laughs> it's a it's a it's kind of surrealist or whatever, you know. Like I like to play with
3: um,
2: the chaos of it, so that whenever I'm doing my visuals, I try my hardest give in the zone with it and just let it happen instead of trying too hard to make it happen. And I say that to you guys on this sync book network, because I think that you'd understand that,
3: you know, yeah, like,
2: it's this thing that, um, whenever I'm doing my visuals, I mean, I spend a lot of time doing that stuff and have been for like 20 years now. And, um, a lot of the pieces that I make it's more of a spontaneous thing. Like I could spend all my time trying to focus my energy into making something real specific, or I can come up there with the right tools and then just let it happen. And sometimes I'm like way more interested in the things that just happen. I know a lot of people out there that I don't know that don't respect that type of craft where they're like, well, you know, we're supposed to plan this. It seems like it, it kind of, I don't know, visually, it's more like punk rock music not classical music huh
3: that's
2: like interesting like bang on your instruments and scream as loud as you can and if there's enough soul in it then maybe people will feel it rather than practice that chord over and over and over again until you can meticulously play it for these people and impress them into your fancy finger work
1: yeah I mean I,
0: I think of Peter Beavergall you know what I'm saying Doug about like trying to initiate some kind of spiritual experience.
1: Yeah, and so like that is probably like we could talk about why, we, we ha- why we're we why talking to you again. So a number of things have <laughs> just kind of come together. I didn't know about the UFO Club at all until we read this recent book, but then we were also doing all this, all these, uh, we've been talking to bands for a whole month, and it just right. really got me thinking about the idea of festival culture. hmm And Mm -hmm. like the
0: purpose, what like purpose is actually serving on a on a like uh, what do you call it? Ontological is that the word? Like, I think you get
1: bonus points tonight, Morgan.
0: (laughs) Did you just drop ontological? It
1: was was hard. It
0: wasn't easy.
2: It was good. It it sounded awesome. I like that conversation. I, I spend a lot of time in festivals and in like a, at like rave kind of parties where it's a whole bunch of people getting together for one reason or other. yet thousands and thousands of people get together to move their body and look at the lights. You know, I I love that. There's the reason I picked my career is because I would spend all of my money doing that. So at a certain time in high school, I was like, what are you gonna do with your life? And I thought about what I was doing at that time. I'm like, man, every week I'm waiting for the next big concert. I spend all of my money. I work and work and work and save money so I can spend it and go to these shows. And wouldn't it be cool if I could get paid to go to these shows?
3: Yeah.
2: And so that's where this comes from. But I don't know why I'm so interested in going to those shows. It's real interesting to watch people dance and sing songs. You know, It's real interesting. But what is it that makes us get together in droves, you know? Like, you got all the people that go to football games, and they all get together, and they they riot. They get so excited about their football team that they just go crazy. And then you go to these festivals, and you see that same kind of thing happening with these other people that don't really care about sports and stuff. They just want to dance, you know? (laughs) But they get together, and they will tear the fences down in order to dance, you know?
0: Like Woodstock. Yeah, good point.
2: Well, we that, like, any of these, like, Coachella, there's 100,000 people a week. You know, I'll be doing EDC this year, and that thing pulls, like, 150,000 people. So whenever you're out there in that kind of a crowd of people, yeah, it feels like you're communicating with aliens, man, because you're like, what are we doing here? Like, what... If the aliens were looking at all of this shimmering around that's going on in this little space right here, then it seems like there would be... I don't know if it's a message being sent or if we were... Like somehow, unconsciously performing some sort of a ritual that makes
1: things the way that they are. Yes. You know? Yes. Okay. So one of the so what we do in our little radio show here <laughs> tends to be a little more cerebral and intellectual, and so we're we're taking things apart and looking at the nature of how things are. I love it. Right. But so. <laughs> At a festival, you're just fully embodied and you're in the moment, and you're not—I mean, like you're ex- you're experiencing the experience, right? But yeah. the the thing I'm wondering about is is if social structures are corrupt and not uh, sustainable. So, like, when we think about the 60s, we look back and we say, hey, look at how progressive they were making these changes. But when you're looking backwards, there's just this kind of inevitability. You just think, well, of course these things developed, you know, and you can just watch them happening. But when you're in something, it's hard to know what's happening. And so if there is some kind of hope, like something developing, where where is the new the new earth going to arise. And so this is why I want to talk to you. It's like, well, maybe it it does happen at these festivals.
2: I've had times that it's felt that way for sure. But then sometimes over time, you know, let's talk about the money part that we started with and how like, okay, we got this festival that's going to enlighten people. There's going to be all sorts of people that are going to have their first psychedelic experience all at the same time. So whether you're there on that or not, you know, it gets really weird in there and whatever's going on in there that's pulled us all together in order to have this good time that we spent our energy and our effort towards getting to and stuff. It costs a lot, right? So you got to save up your money and you got to deal with that part of it. And usually whenever we start spending too much time on how much we're spending on it, and it kind of sucks that other universal truth part out of it, you know? So like whatever it is for me personally, if I'm spending too much time on the money aspects of it, then my thought process doesn't let me just like cut loose over here. And it kind of messes with my good time. Personally, personally, I've dealt with this with Burning Man where I've seen it become this expensive, expensive theme over the years. It used to kind of just be a camp out and it never was really cheap. But it wasn't this thing where everyone's expected to contribute $150 on top of a $400 camp ticket, on top of $500 worth of food and drugs that you're going to need for the week. Then make it so that you're, like, spending $1,000 for this week's worth of a party, right? Whenever it gets there, then all of a sudden I can't just have a good time, right? Uh. And I feel that. I feel it whenever I think about Jesus turning over saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Then that's what it makes <laughs> me feel like. Because that, whenever you see this Coachella culture, where they're out there spending $15 a pack of cigarettes and oh, spending, spending $16 on a quesadilla and right. all the money that you got to spend just to get in, then now where's the fun in this? And then you put Drake up in front of everyone, singing about how much money he makes. And then mm. you,
3: you you see
2: this part of that's like, oh no, you're ruining it. You know, ha- like,
0: Hallelujah, Hallelujah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it was it was a whole lot of fun. It was so much fun, and if you guys understood it, but then the kids out there are like, whatever, that's old school. Now there's no such thing as soloing out because we we're all just trying to make a buck. And it's all like, wait, y'all lost touch with something. There was really something special about that punk rock ethic that we used to have, where
0: we would look Kurt down Burbank, on Cobain, Man, this is Kurt Cobain yeah. all over again. This is the second yeah. surge of grunge, man. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if we
2: if we let that happen, right now we're still in disco. And <laughs> if, if we're going to look at disco to grunge, there was a long time in between. Yeah.
3: Hallelujah. That's what it
2: feels like. That's what it feels like. Whenever I'm out there, it's like, I don't know, these people are, they got a whole different mentality going on. I've done parties where they want me to put like a check in the box oh. logo on the, screens and I'm looking at them like you're out of your mind oh you're because they're sponsored
1: by him yeah yeah
2: and and Jack in the Box is all like catering to that kind of thing so it's all up all night with Jack in the Box and to me I'm like you just not sucked any piece of dignity I might have had in calling this projections thing I do art you right know? Like, right I just I lost that and now this is an art that we're doing it's some sort of advertising billboard thing and man, oh, you know, bum me out, you know? And then I try to make a stand against it, but then my friends and the people that I'm working for are like, dude, deal with it. This is the, this is the reality. They're the ones that are paying for it, so put it up on the screen, you know?
1: All right, so where where did you go on tour, and who did you go with? I we went
2: to Europe this last time all over the UK with Warpaint. Warpaint. Yeah, have you listened to
1: their music I haven't. It, tell us about them.
2: They were the a Girl Band. Um, it's real cool, you know, Styles, I like saw them at Coachella a year ago, and they were one of my favorite bands on the stage. I had friends that were friends of them, so I've heard their name over the years, but never like listened to their music. But I went into that concert and saw a bunch of bands over the weekend, and their band was the most impressive of the whole three days worth of shows i seen. I came out of there like, man, those girls are awesome. The drummer's great. The scene is great. I love it. And then, Less than a month later, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, i got these girls that are in a band, and they want to see some LED strip lights. Can you help me with it? And, and he's like, oh, and one of the girls is uh, married to a real popular guy that makes videos and stuff. And, and I already knew that Chris Cunningham is married to the bass player, and he's the producer of, like, those Aphex Twin videos that are, like, Window Liquor and Come to Daddy. These videos that are so, they're, to me, it's just some of the best art made.
1: Oh, that's funny. I think someone was trying to say that we needed to get that guy on the show. He's
2: amazing.
1: <laughs> that, are you kidding? We can't get I mean, that guy. Is,
2: he's, he's a really like, I mean, he, he worked with like, he worked on AI. He um, worked with um, H.R. Eager at one yeah. point. Like, he's done a lot. Of, he's, a, he's real well connected. He's a real creative, talented, talented modern artist, you know. He's real humble dude and meeting him was a real honor for me, just meeting that guy, you know, but then all of a sudden we're working together where I'm putting up his banner and like we're like talking about lights and color and the kind of stuff that you talk about with your friends and stuff. And it's just been a really good experience like that, because this has all happened in the fact here, you know. That I met them a month after Coachella and then they took me out on the road at that time around the United States and then we just now finished this European thing and we're becoming friends and I think that I'm fitting in with what they're trying to do visually and stuff. I do not I do lighting with them. I don't take the projectors out. And um, But I'm learning so much about lighting and stage direction in that way right now. It's, a, it's not really a change of direction for what I'm doing because, like I've said before, the synchronicity really is what compelled me to do what I do. And there's not much as far as synchronicity goes when you're pressing the buttons to change the lights with the music. You know, you're making it happen and on the fly. And I like to do that thing where you turn it on and you let it happen. So I'm going to keep on doing my visuals. But, and I got a show coming up that's going to be um, an art show on April 30th where I am doing these projections in a gallery where I'm going to... Um, I have the blank canvases, and I'm going to project these art pieces that were made by this artist named Junior Yor... She was my neighbor. I don't know if I talked to you guys about her on the last shows. Did I say anything about Junior before?
1: No. Junior
2: was this old lady that lived like a few doors down from me.
1: Oh, wait about. a minute. Okay, is this connected to the uh, the paintings that this this yeah. book project yeah. that you sent to Alan? Yes. All right. Yes, yeah, this, we want to know about this. this.
2: Lady, she was a Jungian psychologist, right? She was way into a collective unconscious and she was this tai chi master Been teaching tai chi for 20 years when i met her she was like in her early 90s like 91 years old and i knew her for about four or five years and she died and she was 96 and she was this really interesting woman who the whole time i knew her she had this dementia that was coming on so that she would go into a place where she was a senile old lady that couldn't have a conversation. But then when the nurses would leave and you talk to her and hang out with her, then she'd become real lucid and she would blow me away. It's all like, wow, I'm hanging out with this little Yoda lady in Echo Park, you know. And she had this collection of art that was hundreds of pieces that she had been painting on from like the 40s and 50s up to then. So these things were dated, you know. I'm holding in my hand it's just like 1945 or something, you know? And so I would talk to her the whole time. It felt like she wanted me to help her get her art out there to see the world. And so I did several shows with her art over the years. I've done stuff um, since like 2004, 2005. Every once in a while I pull it up and had another show with... She donated a whole collection to the Otis University but I ended up with a big part of it. I've shown it now, what I've done is I've scanned in all of that, plus I took the slides of all the stuff that she donated. I had a bunch of slides, and I have made these uh, pieces in Photoshop where I just put her piece and got the label that's associated with it and put it on the same file. And then I'm going to project those up onto blank canvases and do a really slow running slideshow so that the labels are the blank labels and the canvases are blank canvases, but they're going to be going through the right format, right size paintings that will be projected up onto the wall on these blank canvases.
3: Uh-huh.
2: So that hopefully we can do like a virtual art show. And like kind of mess with the concept of like her paintings that were the original paintings now being shown in this digital medium right and trying to figure out if that's still art or not, you know, where the art is and which is kind of what we do with all of our recorded work, you know. So that's what's happened on April thirtieth, yes, we radiate reality.
1: Yeah, where's that at?
2: That's in Los Feliz here in Los Angeles. It's at a place called rustic in and um we'll be setting that up that would be happening in one room and then in the other room we're gonna have djs and my visuals going on on like eight big flat screens and try to make something real chaotic and real um crazy so so you can go the one side and it's gonna be real subtle and quiet and soothing and then you go into the other side and we're gonna blast your brain nice so Anybody that's listening before April 30th, you can go to my Facebook page and find the flyers and stuff.
1: Yeah, and we will, if there's a flyer, maybe we'll we'll utilize that.
2: It's, I posted it today, so it goes on Facebook and you can see that.
1: Sure. Awesome. All right, all
2: right. I hope that we can get some security going that night, man. Any of the people that are really interested in sync, that's what we'll be playing like eight different video feeds. There are six hour long video feeds through these eight screens that are all over the room. And um, while the live bands and everyone are playing, anything that happens is just going to be happening that way. So it's not like we're putting together a piece that's going to show with the bands. We're going to let it flow and uh, hope that it all looks right, which it does. Yeah. I
1: think
2: it will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the fun stuff. I like to, I love the community, man. It's awesome that you guys have a uh, show that is, intriguing, and you always manage to keep on top. You go you know, a little off-topic, but still, you always bring it back, and whenever I first started listening to it a couple of years ago, I remember feeling like, how are you going to talk and talk and talk about that one topic? You know. <laughs> and then I got the book, and I'm like, wow, they did it. That book was great all the way through, and then I got the second one. And it's like, wow, it just keeps on giving, and man, this is just one of the shows. You know? So it's like, there's so much to be said about this fascinating concept let's
1: talk about that concept how is it arising how is it arising in your life tell us about what the kind of things you get on tour and and you know how that enters into your art practice
2: well i mean it's always a little like i think about it a lot i i spend a lot of time with my mind um trying to Put together the coincidences and make sense of the things that happened to me that feel like it's like, oh man, everything's in line in a weird way where you know, one in a million changes are happening and then it happens. And um, so I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I am, um, by focusing on it, I'll see it like um, I'll get on a wave and I'll be seeing it happen for myself. And then if I talk to certain people, you know, okay, for instance, I'm out on the road. I'm in a hotel room somewhere in the UK. I, um, I'm surfing down the Facebook page and, oh, there's some friend has uh, posted the dark side of the moon they put the whole dark side of the moon up, and That's cool. I'll click on it. And then a little while later I'm switching to the channels and I'm like, oh, it's just now coming on. They just the Dark Side of the Moon. Let me go over there and start that over. I go over this All i at have to have one little sitting, you know, and it means something to me because I love that Dark Side of the Moon was so a lot of stuff. I'm going to talk to y'all about that, you know, and then I watched that and a friend of mine comes in and he says, oh, I've never seen that dot. Oh, yeah, it, just, it kind of came together and so I went, just went ahead and rolled with it and then later on in the day we go to the to the dressing room and the lighting guy is just kind of sitting there on YouTube blowing off time and he's pulling that up, but he didn't know about our little conversation we had earlier. I had been talking about it and, um, with my other friend that we were in my roommate on that road or whatever, but now this dude's doing it. So now I'm saying, this is awesome that you're doing that. And it has nothing to do with me. You know, (laughs) it's great that you're pulling this video up and you're sitting here doing this. And now let's talk about it. And I sit there and talk to him about my ideas about taking this D for the next hour. His take on it was that I'm trying to control chaos, but, he's not the first person that's trying to tell me some stuff like that. <laughs> because when I'm in that moment, I'm saying like, all of these coincidences, they add up to me, that makes sense. And whether somebody chooses to ignore the sense in that, or they wanna look at me like I'm delusional and making sense out of something that doesn't make sense. For me, the more I think about it, the more I set that wave off, and that makes it so that it won't be one experience, but it'll be a whole day's worth of experiences it all seem like they go in line and there's harmony that I'm witnessing, you know? And I hope that I never end up in a straitjacket, and I hope that I never end up being like so far out and disconnected from reality that I'm a threat to anybody, you know what I mean? But I keep on with it.
1: I think we've found some irrefutable bedrock sinks that so okay. like you can go too far to... So I think there's there's definitely a balance there, that, but that there are certain things like whenever it, my mind works in that direction, like I start denying, it's like oh we're a bunch of fools. This is all in our heads, right? But there's just yeah. I think you see
2: people come and go on your show, huh? The dude that get way into it for a minute and then they disappear. They're just like, okay, finished. I can't take it anymore.
3: Right?
2: Does that happen? Does that happen? We I know do that. They...
3: Yeah. You're right.
2: Right. It happens, man, because you, you know know—we're trying to be rational. We
1: live in a scientific, materialistic world, and so we want—we want proof. Show me, show me the Bigfoot. Show me the Bigfoot, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> yep. Right, but then it come to—I the...
2: guess proof is relative. <laughs> that's kind of weird,
1: because and, and it so is like what it is. One of the things that's been arising in my world is this idea of the divine revelation. So you have this transcendent moment. You know so like you're the mystic and God reveals something to you and then you communicate the truth and you get some followers and it seems like the you know that you've got you've got a way this is the way and then for some reason the tr- the truth you know the truth is always uh, becoming it's evolving and if you don't become with it you know so it seems like if you get stuck in the way then it it collapses and then all of a sudden people say you know that that truth was never Valid anyway.
2: It's yeah, just talking, I guess, crazy.
1: But right, it, but you know, it, it was true. It was true in the moment.
2: Yeah, it was for you. Maybe that's where it gets weird. Where it's like, it was true for me. Maybe it's not true for you, but it was true for me. And then you're like, what are you talking about? What's true it's true for everybody. But then, if you think about so many of our experiences that reaffirm our beliefs, and so many of the things, the stories that you hear, it seems to me that it's for real we do experience different states of reality it seems like there's different based on your beliefs you can manifest a whole entirely different universe and maybe that is maybe that doesn't fit in with the scientific notion of like I don't know everything like I don't even know how, what that scientific notion is so I can't just like say the paragraph the tech and, like and like oh here's common sense like logic rational logic you know I don't know how to say that it's not logical for me to say that two separate people have separate realities that might have separate laws that apply to them. Because there's some people that say then you're not talking about reality. You're talking, I had a conversation online recently someone somebody said you're talking about experience here and what your notion is of reality, that reality is unchangeable. Reality is what it is, whether you're looking at it or not. And then I'm. my response is, You don't know what's happening when you're not looking at it, you know, and what's happening in my reality might be completely separate than what's happening in your reality and what's possible in your reality.
1: Right. Right. What if you're able to perceive things that they, I mean, they can't even see.
2: Yeah. What if that's the case? And then we sit here and act like we know about it and we have an understanding about it, but that's what, that makes me feel like there's a misunderstanding. But the more I have that conversation with him, the more I am forced to deal with his reality which is a little less open-minded than mine. A little like it has little walls around it that make it so that he's never going to be able to like abandon this notion of time and space in it, like in favor of a place where I don't know. There's a where these principles don't apply, and it makes sense for me to think something into being where I can think about the Wizard of Oz, and then all of a sudden it's on the TV. It doesn't that kind of a thing, you're like, Oh now you're you're putting a meaning into a coincidence that is just a coincidence and it kinda sounds crazy to take that out of that realm, you know. It kinda sounds like maybe you're delusional and maybe you're coming up with something. But the more I do that, the more I'm given from my experience things to compensate like that. And I can't talk to anyone else, but sometimes to me it seems like it's proving it. Sometimes to me it's it's affirming all of these thoughts that I have that are so far out, you know. And um sometimes it also seems like it's wanting me to stop it. You know, sometimes I can't tell if I'm just a paranoid human being or what, but it's all like, leave that alone. And the more that I go in that direction with it, it gets kind of weird where it's almost like maybe that's part of the program too, is like keeping it, um, controlled by f- filling us full of these, um, I don't know, this, this paranoid instincts, I don't know if it's an instinct. I don't know why I always take it there, but it feels like sometimes I can't, like I got to like reserve what I'm thinking or talking about whenever it comes to that because if I don't, then they're going to get me. (laughs) (laughs) In the least possible crazy way that can be said. You know (laughs) what I mean? Because I'm really not a paranoid, like schizophrenic over here, afraid that they're going to get me. But at the same time, those thoughts are real and it feels like I really have messages sometimes that's all like, Like, I'm so far on or so far off that I should stop.
1: (laughs) It's interesting because, like, we'll reference this. We just – we did a show with a guy named Peter – I can't say his name. Bibergall. Did I lose you guys? Bibergall. 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 He wrote a book about about how the occult – the occult saved rock and roll, and that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's really right. not, because it's not. this was the foundation upon what rock was built. It needed something. Occult
0: is mystery. You it's the, the truth. It's the imagination. It's right. the
1: imagination of the occult. He it's the magic. The right, right. Right. You're looking but, for the magic. Right.
0: Music is magic, so music doesn't thrive unless magic is at its base.
1: Right. So, But David right. Bowie… Took it too far, and at some point he's like all coked out, and he has to keep the windows open, and he got basically tinfoil hats because he's so paranoid, you know, of yep. the forces.
2: You, you know, like to blame on the drugs too. So, like, we right. fuck around with it, and we do our all of our like experimentation, and while you're doing that, you can definitely like get your headspace into a place that that uh, Philip Dick mania you know like you're like in a in a consciousness where you i don't know if you're stuck in between dimensions or if you're just like uh your brain is wired or wrong because you took too many drugs you know and you're high so that's kind of what we're trying to do when we take drugs just get high Thor bowie like that seems to me like all of that like the man who called the earth guy that's standing there that he's representing when he's sitting here on the TVs and switching through him he's somebody who's just taken a bunch of Stuff and his brain is fried out, but it's not permanent. Seems like it comes and goes. What about with the occult? What about the stuff like Slayer or like like Motley Crue and their pentagram? You know where they try to represent. They use the symbols and they represent this thing that's all like straight up a cult, but it seems like it's making fun of it at the same time.
1: Or it's like, just using something as a tool of commerce.
2: Is that what they're doing there? Is that their eye with the the pyramid? And, and so, if you if you involve your art with these symbols, then you're steering around the vibrations of the universe, so that maybe you will succeed better because you're all like devil horn and everything. Maybe. Or are they just kidding? Are they are they just funny guys that are making a joke? They're like, ooh, scary. Ooh, look, devil. Ah.
3: You
1: know. It's interesting because that you know the book plays with with those ideas and it seems like the the more the more authentic the musicians were the more their genuine interest in the occult really was. I mean, but they went I through I wonder if, are Molly Crew guys like I wonder if that's their
2: trip or if they're just like they just they say, hey, this looks cool.
1: I think it was just pure cool at that you know, the it's shout sort of at things the things devil days.
2: Yeah. yeah. They're like scary it's kind of like making a monster movie in a certain way where like everybody's going to like this and we're going to like play with that concept. I don't think that they're really like doing any stances, but then whenever you hear about the stuff that Jerry Page and then are into, or you look at like, like Gantzik seems like he's into some weird stuff, you know? <laughs> and so I don't know if he's like, if he's for real like trying to summon up demons or if that's just his science fiction, like mental artist like artist at play where he's just like, huh, this is funny. And it's cool. But then they they,
1: they always record conversation. The archetypes just, they creep in that we can't avoid it. Even if you're like a bad artist, you end up embodying the universe in your work on some level. Fatalist. Not a fatalist.
0: You are. You're a
1: fatalist. (laughs) You're the fatalist, Morgan. (laughs) You know what? Oh my gosh, that's, we're, we're winding down fast.
2: Well, man, I always love talking to you guys. And um, I try not to. I try today. I really made a point to try to stay on topic so that I didn't like go off on tangents oh, and make it so we spend know. all day talking about some.
0: You let it go, <laughs> brother. You let it go. I love Sweet.
1: talking to you because of that.
2: Well, I like I can talk to you anytime, guys. I love I love the conversations and keep doing what you're doing for sure.
1: So you've got another weekend of Coachella upcoming, right?
2: And even tomorrow morning, and so no till. Tuesday. It'll be awesome.
1: And then is your facility, is it free? Do you need a wristband to get in there or is it part... You still
2: need a wristband to get in there because you have to be in the, it's for the people that camp out. So anybody that has a wristband can get over to the camping section and see our dome that we've built. Um, And you can't, it's not just open to the public, but most people don't go out there because it's not on the main field. It's where the people are camping out so, but it's, I mean, we do a silent disco every night where they pass out like 500 pairs of earphones and they have a bass pad that's underneath the dance floor. And from like one or two, they they—they make noise until one or two and then they turn it off and it's all going into the headphones. And so all you hear is people, the shuffle of their beat as they dance to the music. It's a full club worth of space full of people,
1: but they're all wearing headphones and listening to the music that they just playing. That is so sci-fi. It's real sci-fi.
2: 2015. It's you, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. What do you have you to do? See all do? their little
2: red lights on their headphones as they dance around, and then they all sing along with the song. Not the best songs, you know. It's the DJ's playing over there, so they're all in love with the Coco.
1: What about <laughs> the rest of the summer? What do you get? What do you got on the on the on the docket?
2: Well, I got the art show, and then I am trying to focus on this club out here called Break Room 86. I installed the TVs. Have you seen my TV wall stuff I've been posting on Facebook, perhaps?
3: Yeah, I yeah.
2: I made some TV installations for an 80s-themed bar, and I am trying to make that like a job, job kind of. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that I can get in there and spend a lot of time on the lighting rig and... um like make it so that I'm there all the time and adjusting his TVs because it's so cool with YouTube you can go through and siphon content and then put it up on the TVs and then when you get sick of one piece then you can go in there and by then have a whole nother group of videos that you can play and I'm dealing with six feeds that are going out to 26 TVs so I got lots of work to do on that. Um, Each is coming up like to Daisy carnival we're doing this big caterpillar piece that a friend of mine John crash designed that is And also, if you put in EDC Caterpillar on YouTube, then you can see their amazing um, artistry. And I'm going to help build it this year and um, probably do Burning Man and Nocturnal, too. I still don't have my ticket to Burning Man yet, but it usually seems to happen. So we'll see. I don't care anymore because it's all about the money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, we'll we'll call that 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Well, is that Talk Rihanna? D- dollar, dollar bill. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you, you, you've been listening to Michael Allen on Sync Book Radio, a production of thesyncbook.com. Information about the work of Mr. Allen can be found at projections.com. That's project-ions.com. For more information about the Sync Book, our guests, check out past shows, or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please I be sure and that's visit that's our that's website that's at. 42minutes.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a member for some of the membership benefits. Include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind the scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the host, and we'll even let you tip over the tables in the temple. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much, and don't give me that do-goody-good bullshit. I'm in the high-fidelity first-class traveling set. And I think I need a
4: clear jet.